This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Um, if you're driving, I'll be reading from the Bible for you. But if, if you're home and you have your Bible there in front of you or on your phone, turn to Luke chapter 14. We're going to be looking at a passage there here in just a moment. Uh, today is Tuesday, January the 5th. January 5th. So people in Georgia are voting for the Senate. Uh, every, it seems like everyone in the world knows about that, uh, the, the runoff there. We, and then tomorrow, the uh, electors are counted in Congress. And what's going to happen? Well, we're, we're just not sure. There, there's so, many, so much speculation, and so many people have their ideas. And uh, you know, There are things that can happen. And we, we need to be careful not to uh, accuse the other side of insurrection. Uh, I know I've, I've done that probably, I think, a little bit a couple of weeks ago. And <clears throat> there are things that, in my mind, are, that have happened over the last year that is just treasonous. It, a treason is when you actively work against the government. And um, so... You know, aiding and abetting the enemy and things of that nature. And there are things like that clearly happened. Uh, and I don't think it's just one side or the other. It's whatever side. And I'm, I don't want to get on my soapbox again, but I'm definitely frustrated. My main frustration comes from the fact that there is just so much misinformation. People not telling the truth. And which makes it, and then people who put out half truths, and it makes it hard to find or know the truth. And and there are ways to know truth, and there are people who are actively stopping us from from knowing truth. And I just don't understand that. I don't understand it. Okay, Luke chapter. I think I said fourteen. It's fifteen. I think it's fourteen. Not I think, but it is. It's Luke fourteen. We'll be looking at verses twenty-five to thirty-five here in a moment. And um, before we turn there, I want to tell you about Bridger Wilderness Area. That's uh, located uh, in Bridger Teton National Forest in Wyoming. I've been to the Tetons a couple of times. Beautiful place. If you've ever been up to the Tetons or Yellowstone, you know that is very mountainous area of Wyoming. It is comprised, this particular place, Bridger Wilderness, is comprised of over 400,000 acres it has 600 miles of hiking and climbing trails. The highest peak in the area is Gannett Peak at 23,809 feet tall. That's huge. You're not allowed to have any motorized or mechanized vehicles. That includes bikes. None of that's allowed in the park. Um, just for camping and hiking, you know, just the you in the wilderness, you know, and, and, and your tent. So I want to share with you some actual responses of comment cards that people turn in to the staff members at Bridger Wilderness Area. Okay? Wilderness. If you've ever seen video of Yellowstone, been there, you know 
what this place is like. And this is an area where you can't drive your car. You can't bring an RV. You can't take an ATV. You can't even take a pedal bike. Okay? Those are the rules. Here it is. Here are the comments. These are real. First one. Trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. No kidding. Go uphill. There are too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the areas of these pests. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Please pave the trails. Trail lifts need to be in some places so that we can get to wonderful views without having to hike to them. Oh, man. Number four. The coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. Please eradicate these annoying animals. A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there a way I can get reimbursed? Please call. If I got that comment card, I'd call. I would find out what kind of pickles he had, and I would reimburse that guy. Only because I would just, I'd want to talk to him to find out the full scope of that situation. That's just amazing me. Amazing me. But yeah, he was reimbursed it because a deer stole his pickles. Escalators would help on steep uphill sections. Escalators would help on steep. Now, I, I see the word escalators. I know, I think of you know, the escalators you have at like airports or the mall, you know. I wonder if they mean like a ski lift. Not that that needs to happen, but I wonder if that's what he means. Is he wanting a ski lift to get to these uphill sessions? I don't know. Interesting. Here's, here's, a, here's a good one. A McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. McDonald's? Really? How about a Starbucks? I don't know. There are too many rocks in the mountains. That, that's got to be a joke. That has got to be a joke. Too many rocks in the mountains. Is he, what, loose rocks? I don't know. Loose in the head, maybe. Unbelievable. These folks, if they were serious, which I, I think some of them probably are, they wanted their comforts, right? But they wanted their they, they wanted to be in the wilderness and see all the views, but they didn't want all you know the, you know the cost of doing that. I love hiking and I love camping, but I know there's going to be a cost. I'm not going to have a warm room to sleep in or my bed. My bathroom's not going to be right there with toilet paper every time. You know, you're, it's not going to, you're not going to have all the comforts of home. I'm probably not going to shower either. <laughs> That's part of the cost. That's part of the cost. In our passage of Luke 14, <coughs> excuse me, we learn something about what the Lord Jesus is looking for in disciples. He is looking for quality and not quantity. He's not enamored with the large crowds, you know. Genuine disciples are attached to the teacher. The large crowds are following Jesus, yes, but he's going to preach a sermon that's going to thin the ranks. And we've seen him do this before, where he's said things and it caused people to walk away. He's not trying to tickle ears, is he? He's not trying to to keep 
everyone and, and, and say the things to them in a way that maybe they'll stick around. He wants them to know the truth. And that's what this passage is about. We're going to, break, we're going to look at this in two ways, the, the way Jesus breaks it down. You've got the cost and calculate the cost. Let's read, starting in verse 25 and then 26 and 27. Luke writes, Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, so to the crowds, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple disciple. Oof. So here's the cost. He's letting them know there's, there's a cost to following me. There is a cost to being my disciple. And it involves two payments that are required of us. First, we must place Jesus above everything. And second, we must be willing to die to self. Let's start with that first one. Now, you see that word hate. Now, when I see that word hate, it immediately brings some negative connotations. It is a derogatory term. Um, I never really thought about it too much until I had kids. I know that um, when uh, uh, I, have, I have my kids, I have Joshua and Jonah in the backseat of the van, and we're driving along, and something happened. I don't even remember the situation, but I remember using the term, I hate that. And then I heard Josh say that, say that phrase. Something happened similar, and he goes, oh, I hate it when that happens. When I heard him use the term hate, oh, it made me cringe. Like, oh, I did not like that. Because I know how society sees it. And when I heard it from him, I was like, I need to not use that word. So we had to talk about that word and not to use it because it's derogatory. It's, it's pretty, pretty mean to use towards folks and people or to say you hate something. Now, for the Jews in the, in the New Testament times and, and the Hebrews are in the Old Testament times, it meant something different. It wasn't used in a derogatory way that we use it. So when Jesus says hate, he doesn't mean it the way we do. When God said in the Old Testament, uh, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, he didn't mean hate in the sense that we hate things, like I hate corns and peas. He meant hate in the sense that I love him less. He still loves him, but less than Jacob. Jesus is telling us, when it comes to your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, and you, you need to love them less than you love me. And I'm not trying to downplay or, or, or soften what Jesus is saying. It's still a harsh thing to say. What he's saying is this. When you, you work it out in like a conversation, it, it helps. It helps me. And so I imagine Jesus talking to me and say, Chris, if you want to be my disciple... You need to love your father and mother less than you love me. And I might respond, well, oh, oh, you know, Jesus, I, I, I can do that. Okay, good. Well, you need to love your wife and your children less than me. Really? Well, what, what does that entail, Lord? What, what do you mean when you say love less? Can, can you help me understand that? Well, yes, Chris. Uh, what I mean by that is that if your children fall away, and they go and follow another path that is not mine, you cannot pretend that they are going to heaven. You can't join along with them. You, know, you must leave them behind. Help them if you can, 
but you must leave them behind and stay with me. Chris, you got to put me above them in every case, even even your wife. You must always love me more. Think about old Job, Chris. Remember what his wife said? Why don't you curse God and die? But he would not. He chose the Lord, God, over his wife. He loved her less, and you do the same for me. And your brothers and sisters, Chris, even them, you must love them less. And now, <clears throat> when you come to that, that one's harder for me. I, I remember <clears throat> when I was a kid, I could not wait for my kid, for my brothers to leave. I remember when my brother Jason or, or uh, was leaving, and I was thinking, boy, I can't wait till he's gone. I get his room, right? Yeah, boy, it's going to be all mine. They won't be here anymore, just me. Woohoo! And the first month was great. Month number two wasn't so great. And it got worse and worse when I began to miss my brothers and the games we played and all the good times we had. And then when they finally came back for, for you know the holidays, oh, what fun we would have. Even today, when me and my brothers get together, even though we're all over 45 and, and up, when we get together, we are a, a bunch of kids. And we goof off. We have so much fun. We love being around each other. I must love them less. Whatever they choose, I choose Christ. Whatever they do, I go Christ's way. No matter what. That can be hard. That can be difficult to make that kind of choice. And yes, even my own life, I must love myself less. I must take up my cross and come after the Lord. And if I don't, I can't be his disciple. And the cross is a symbol of uh, humility and death. It's a shame in the eyes of the Jews. But it's the symbol of death. I must die to self daily. All the time, always. Not doing it my way, but doing it his way. That's the cost. You want to be my disciple? It's going to cost you something. He's telling the crowds. He's telling you. He's telling me. It's going to cost you something. It's high. But discipleship is serious business. And so a person should consider if they're able to pay the price. It's serious business. I know we want to baptize folks. I want to baptize folks into into the body of Christ all the time. But they need to understand this is serious business. It's serious. You better calculate the cost. We read on. Calculating the cost is the next point, verses 28 to 35. For We're going to do this in sections. Let's start with verses 28 to um, 30. Jesus says, For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and it is not able to finish, All who observe it began to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. So you have this guy wanting to build this tower, and he needs to calculate the cost, right? When I lived, I moved out here to the Phoenix area in Arizona in 1994. And when I moved out here, you know, the 101 wasn't wasn't built, the the I-17 hadn't been widened, and I worked down in the Tempe Mesa area, and, it, and I was up at Northern in the 17. It was like an hour and a half commute in the morning and an hour and a half 
commute home in the afternoon. It was a lot of driving. And finally, I decided to go and move down to Tempe. I moved into a place called The Lakes at Baseline and Rule near, near that area. And um, I found out the history of it. The, the original developer who put that together, he did not calculate the cost. He did not have enough money to, to finish that huge project. And it's a beautiful place. He ended up having to go bankrupt and sell it off for pennies, or I think the banks did, to get recoup their money uh, of what happened there. Anyway, he didn't calculate the cost. He wasn't, he wasn't ready. And so you know, he got ridiculed for it. Same thing for the Christian. You better calculate the cost, otherwise you'll become a Christian, you'll give it up, and people will, will see that. And they'll ridicule you for that. There are always consequences to the decisions we make. So you need to ask the question, are you or are we prepared to follow through in discipleship? Can you build that tower? Can you build this kind of life? It's going to cost you something. you got to love everything less than Jesus. He comes first in your life. Can you do it? We need to think about that. Talk about that with folks who, are, who come up and say, I want to be baptized. All right, have you calculated the cost? What cost? Let's go over these things. It's going to cost you something. Okay, verses 31 to 33. Jesus says, Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Give them all up. So there's a little more there on the cost. So let's look at this uh, illustration that Jesus gives. He gives us a total of three. This is the second one. So you're a king. You got an army of 10,000. There's another king coming. He's got 20,000, twice your man, twice. Are you going to win? Oh, man, no. No. You better sue for peace, send a delegation. And the correlation to that is, I, in my mind, you're here now. Okay? And let's say you know. This is Jesus is talking to people who are, who are interested in, in knowing the things of God and, and knowing Christ. So you know, you, you know there is a God. He sent his son, the Messiah. They're coming. God is going to send his son back, and the wrath of God is coming. All right, his, his army is coming. He's going to implement judgment. There's a war coming. God's going to win. He's God. You can't, you can't beat him. You can't beat him. You know he's coming. What are you going to do? I want to, I want to wait. And maybe when he comes and He'll, he'll see what a, what a good person I've been. He'll let me, let me go. No, you have not been a good person. He's already let us know. He's been, he's been warning us this whole time in, the, in his word. And so he's already sent. God sent a delegation ahead to say, hey, I'm offering you peace. You know, when a king, especially back in those days, when a king who clearly is going to win offers peace, their piece is usually something like this. Okay, you're going to give me this much land, this many people, this much money, and then you're going to pay me tribute every year in food and money and gold, okay? 
And I'm going I'm going to squeeze you for everything you got. It's all that's yours is mine. And uh, they're not going to treat you well because you're you're defeated. You're pretty much a slave and a servant to him. Here's God's uh, peace offer he's offering us. I'm going to take everything you have. You're going to be mine, but you won't be a slave. I'm going to bring you, once, you're, once all this is done, you come to heaven. I'll let you live eternally with me. I'm going to let you set my banquet table. You're going to sit there with me as a son and as a daughter, not as a slave, but you'll be my children. And that's the peace offer, offering I offer you. Otherwise, if you don't want to take my peace, that's fine. You'll get none of those things. You won't be my children, and you will burn for eternity in hell. Either way, you'll live forever. <laughs> hmm. The, the choice seems fairly clear to me. Let's look at the, the third illustration he gives us in verses 34 and 35. He says, Therefore, salt is good. But if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless, either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Oh. All right. Tasteless salt. This focuses on the consequence of not following through with the decision to become a disciple. What good are you? Can you be made salty again? And he's talking about turning your back on the things of God. When you know what the truth is, you know what Jesus and God requires. And if you reject that, or if you are a Christian and you turn away and fall away, well, what's going to make you salty again? We're going to look at that a little more here in a second. What we learn from these illustrations is that there is a great need for us to calculate exactly what it's going to cost us to be a disciple of Jesus. What is it going to cost us? It's going to cost us everything. Calculating the cost enables us to know what we're really getting into. This was a big deal for the Jews to to put on Christ. Huge deal. You know, for us to decide to put on Christ in our day and age in general, uh, it doesn't it, it doesn't affect us. But when we decide to put Christ on and be baptized and live the faithful Christian life, there's a, there's a cost, but it doesn't cost us really much in family or friends. Maybe a little bit, but not too bad. I, I lost some friends when I became a Christian. It wasn't too bad, but I did lose some friends. I got pushed back. I didn't lose anyone in my family. They didn't, no one turned on me on, on my, their back on me. But for the Jews. If you decided to put on Christ in baptism, you're in trouble. You imagine you're a Jew. You know, in the book of Acts, you got uh, Acts 2, you got like, what was it, 3,000 that were baptized, or 2,000, and then 3,000, and, and more and more and more. These people didn't go home and, and were celebrated by their family. Jesus told us, told the Jews, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring the sword. A father will be against, will be against the son, a son against the father, so on and so forth. So you imagine you got baptized. Let's say you're a son of a, of a Jewish family. And you come home, hey, mom, dad, guess what? I got baptized. And the dad would probably think, oh, you got ceremonially, ceremoniously clean, cleansed? No, dad, I was baptized into Christ. Jesus, you know, the Messiah. I, chances are that father 
will strip the clothes off you, take whatever jewelry you have, and kick you out of that house with nothing, saying that you're no son of his. And that happened to a lot of the Jews. That's why, was it chapter, in chapter 4, a lot of the, the uh, Jews who were Christians who had lands and property, they were selling it and giving it, placing it at the foot of the feet, the feet of the, uh, the apostles, so that they could help those who lost everything for becoming Christians. They lost it all. They lost everything. Because their family cut them off. It cost them something. Are you, and it's going to cost you. It may cost you something soon. Things aren't, aren't going great right now for Christians. It's getting worse and worse. Are you ready to pay the cost? I'm sure we've paid some here and there, but it could get worse. But we need to be ready, always ready for what might come. And that's what my goal is to, to, to put across here for us today. Judgment is more severe for Christians who fall away from the Lord than though for those who never knew him. I want, I want to end with, with that, and I want to give you some passages, passages. I don't have time to read it, but it's from Matthew 11, 20 to 24, Matthew 10, 14 and 15, and most specifically, if you don't read any of these, read this one, 2 Peter 2, verses 20 to 22. Read that. And think about that. Pray about that. If you become a Christian, or if you are, you better know there's going to be a cost. It's going to cost you something. But the rewards are worth it. The sermon that Jesus gives us here in Luke 14 is a strong word of warning. He's he's saying this, or he's asking this. Are you a genuine disciple, or have you just joined a church? Have you just joined a church? Things to think about. So we are entering the new year. We got a lot of things that are unknown still to us. You got the pandemic, masks, lockdowns, elections, fraud. The only thing that's consistent, true, and firm is Jesus, who is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Hold on to him. Redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity, folks, while you still have it. We have a great blessing still. Don't squander those blessings. Make good use of it. Thank you for being here with me this afternoon. May the Lord bless you in all that you do and that you grow always and daily in the things of the Lord. Send it up to sweep away till shall dawn the better day. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.